This is Manny De La Cruz, and I just want to thank you for listening to this podcast. So today's topic, I kind of run the risk of talking about something that probably has been overplayed and probably there's a ton of information out there and maybe you're thinking, what could I possibly bring to the table or tell you that you haven't heard? And, you know, the honest truth is that that's probably right. And that's a risk I'm willing to take. Uh, I think this uh, topic fits in the order that I'm kind of have in my head of things that I want to talk about. Right. Last couple episodes have been around you know, being able to understand what your personal brand is and your and, and, and talking about it in your in your elevator speech and how it should be tied to your resume. And then I kind of talked about, hey, so you if you, you got an internship and, and what I'm really thinking about in the fr- in framing up these uh, episodes is the recruiting season. Right. So here we are. It's uh, about to be September. School's about to kick off. And so people are coming off of the summer. So that's kind of really where my head is, what I'm kind of using as the background for some of the topics that I'm talking about. So I'm on resume now. The next one will probably be on interviewing and kind of breaking that topic down. And then I'll probably, I know my my graphic for this thing talks about young professionals. So I'll probably start uh, moving into to, to that area after I kind of get through the interviewing one, right? Because I kind of want to be make sure that I get those ahead of uh, of uh, re- campus recruiting season, people getting into their colleges and, and seeing recruiting teams from all these uh, uh, companies, but also national conferences. I know Nesby and SWE and SHIP and SOCNAS and GMIS, right? All those national conferences are coming up. So I kind of want to make sure that, that, that I kind of talk about these topics so that students can kind of hear them before, again, like I said, campus recruiting and conferences um, start, which reminds me, I'm probably going to do uh, one episode on how to prepare for a career fair uh, slash national conference, right? So that probably has some discussions there. So join me today as we talk about resumes. I'm going to try and uh, keep it uh, interesting. And as always, I appreciate everyone who's listened so far. Please keep the comments coming. Share this information. Um, show me that, you know, uh, well, I say show me. That's probably the wrong word. Help me understand, right, what, uh, what uh, information folks want to hear about and 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 you know influence the uh, topics that we talk about so i've been fortunate enough to be a recruiter for exxon mobil for about seven years now right so i and, and it's been different phases of 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 recruiting i'll tell you when i first started i was uh, what we call a screener uh, someone who kind of is at the the person that you talk to at a career fair or at your campus that is kind of screening all the candidates and eventually I worked my way up to an interviewer right learned how to interview with the company and then here recently I've started to take like uh, what we call internally uh, captain team captain responsibilities where like I take a bigger um, hand in, in in working the like campus relationship or the or the uh, national relationship with whatever organization we're working with specifically right so I'm a, a team captain with the with UTRGV University of Texas Rio Grande Valley shout out uh, we're gonna be there uh, for your career fair 
in, uh, I think it's in, in October, right? First week in October. And then uh, I'm uh, fortunate enough to be a, a interviewer and part of the um, ship, Exxon, well, the ExxonMobil ship national recruiting team, right? So we get, we'll see you guys uh, at that uh, national conference later on this year. Very excited uh, to go down there with our ExxonMobil team and, and talk to candidates. Anywho, why am I saying all that? So I have... Uh, some firsthand knowledge on 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 what uh, what the majority of people um, I say majority right so students some of the mistakes some of the mistakes or some of the really good uh, resumes that uh, that, that come across my way I've seen it, uh, thousands of them by now and this is kind of why I feel that I want to talk about this topic and. Uh, I guess I'll start by saying first and foremost, it is very true. The average recruiter does spend some 15 to 30 seconds looking at a resume. I mean, you've experienced it yourself. You're sitting in a, 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 a campus or or at a conference and you're standing in line to talk to that one company you want to. And it could be a long line. And that recruiter is just going through candidates, probably spending a couple minutes. But the majority of that. Uh, and literally a couple of minutes to kind of assess a candidate and potentially give them an on-site interview or, or you know, think about them for further consideration, et cetera, or pass, right? That's the reality of it, or sometimes pass on the candidate. So um, it is true, right? And so what allows a recruiter to do this uh, scanning, right? Well, what allows them or what makes it easy is a format that is easy to read and format is key. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time right now talking about the ideal format. I'm going to tell you that if you go to Google and you type in Harvard resume guide, the very first uh, search that pops up is a link to the Harvard Career Services office. And when you open up that page and you read a very short article, it's very short and you'll get to a bunch of links of resources. One is a YouTube video. It's a how to write a resume tutorial. And then they also provide, I think, like a like a six or seven page PDF on how to um, that complements that uh, tutorial, but also breaks down five or six different, uh, very easy to read, very traditional uh, templates for resumes and it gives you the do's and don'ts. There's a list of action words you should use. So I'm not going to, I'm not, I mean, if in Harvard has this available for everybody, it's not restricted to student access. It's, uh, it's open, right? And so we, uh, I have used this example before when I talk to students, it's a very, it, it's, it's a, it's probably the best guide that I've seen even, uh, more so than any article you might read. And, and it's it's just very traditional, very easy to read resumes. And the way they explain the categories in that video of things to consider within those categories is is spot on. So I'm not going to I'm not in this conversation. I'm not going to talk about the that portion too much because that again, that resource is very great. As I mentioned, go to Google and type in Harvard Resume Guide and click on that first link. So once you look at that uh, Harvard PDF, right, you're gonna notice the, the templates. And I kinda wanna kinda, kinda have a holistic talk. 
about the information that should be on there and how you should think about it. So first, I kind of want you to get into the mentality, right? Give people the recommendation of, hey, you got to think of that eight and a half uh, by 11 sheet of paper as your paper real estate. What does that mean? If you were to have a property or you were to have your house, right, you would want to uh, make sure that you made the best use of, uh, of the property and that it didn't look too overcrowded or that it didn't, uh, you know, get you into trouble by, you know, not keeping it maintained, et cetera. Right. So take that, uh, that take that analogy and, and talk about what do you put on your resume? Right. Of course, the simplicity of it uh, uh, will 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 kind of get get you away from getting too tacky or using unnecessary graphics or unnecessary uh, um, uh, what I call the bells and whistles really that uh, really don't do anything to, to kind of tell your story. So sticking to something um, more basic will kind of keep you out of that uh, realm. Uh, think about it. It's only an eight and a half feet by 11 sheet of paper, right? So I guess this I, I, I'm implying here that your resume, especially if you're an undergrad, okay, especially if you're an undergrad or even an early career professional who's kind of making a transition within their first couple of years, you really should be able to tell your story on one sheet, okay? Uh, Unless you're some sort of grad student or you're a PhD or you're some sort of highly technical, you know, experienced hire that just needs to, you know, get into several pages and, and do a CV, like, that's not going to be where you're at in your first couple of years in college when you're trying to get an internship. Certainly not where you need to be uh, trying to get your first job or even changing jobs within the first, uh, you know, two to five years of, of, uh, of being a professional. You should be able to tell your story on one sheet of paper. Uh, so what does that mean? You kind of have to have intention. Every Every line of text that's on there Every word that you put on there has to have a purpose, okay? And I'm not saying, well, of course, the you know, and there's some obvious ones, for example, right? Where your, say your contact information, you got to make sure that it, it that it serves its purpose, right? Your name is clear, your the address is available, an email, a good valid email that's professional sounding, right? Uh, is, is available. Uh, you have to have a good number that you're going to answer if somebody calls, right? So there is purpose even in, in, in a section like that. So if you start taking that further into the into the education section, right, which typically tends to be the first one, right? Because again, this is going to be the, um, the, the, the very first pertinent piece of information that someone's going to want to know. What school do you go to? Uh, what degree are you pursuing? When do you expect to graduate and and what is your GPA? And what does that do? It kind of starts painting a picture around whether or not you went to a school that they can relate to, uh, whether or not you went to a big Ivy League or if you went to a state school or if you went to, uh, in some cases, maybe your school isn't known, but it's always, even then that's not a negative thing. It's a point of conversation, right? Where it gives you an ability to start uh, talking about yourself and 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 kind of exposing your uh, communication ability. So don't think of it, well, I, I'm not saying here and implying that recruiters are looking for the big schools. It's just definitely somewhere where they need to start, right? They got to start up, kind of have to start painting a picture of who you are. And it's going to happen by the school that you go to. And more importantly, really, though, is the major that you're pursuing, 
when do you want to graduate, right? They got to know whether or not you're going to be an intern, hopeful, a co-op maybe, or if you're looking for full-time employment. And then the uh, GPA. I'll probably, uh, I'm going to save the GPA conversation. I think that has a, uh, maybe an episode of its own or maybe a a segment of its own. I don't want to make this particular one too long. So I'm going to kind of save, uh, uh, that topic for, uh, for, for a later, for a later episode. So again, I'm talking about the intention of words and the intention of text within your resume. So again, if you go from top to bottom, your resume should highlight your story and it ha- and it should do it in the in in an, in the order of importance and strength to your story right so and, and this really starts to get when you you know after you start getting from your school information now you got a decision to make right are you going to open up with your technical experience so let's say you have some past internships and, and then it would make sense for you to open up with that uh, maybe you don't have an internship, but you are a student leader and you're a president of your, your uh, of your ship chapter or your suite chapter or you're an officer in that. And maybe that's the stronger uh, version of your story. There's nothing that says that your leadership experience uh, might not be the very first thing that you open up with if you don't have that technical experience. In some cases, if you're early, if you're a freshman, Maybe your strongest story is your participation in sports or your major contributions in some uh, fundraiser or community service project that you did in school. Maybe it's your uh, you were, you know, had a lead role in in your in your high school publication. So you got to be thinking about what is after you tell me what you're pursuing, what is that very first uh, piece of information that is your strongest uh portion of your story. And then it kind of goes from there, right? So from there, the rest of it kind of supports that. So I have seen folks that say, well, career services says I should put experiences first and I should, or I should put my leadership later. or I should open up with skills. I'm one to say, Hey, again, you got 15 to 30 seconds and a few minutes of conversation to kind of tell your story. You got to open up. The opening act needs to be strong. Um, So as you start going down, right, then one of the last things naturally, if you happen to have paper real estate left, is things like uh, uh, hobbies maybe or or awards that you want, things of that nature. And and, And I say that, I've seen those categories on there, but I'm telling you when I see those out of order, when I see those at the very top, I'm asking myself, is this really your... The, the strongest uh, pieces of your uh, narrative. So now I want to talk about whenever you write up an experience, right? So let's say you're going to talk about your latest internship or your latest research that you just did this past summer. And typically you're going to write it. You have to be very clear, very clear pieces of information. The role that you had well, the company that you were with, the role that you had, the length of time that you were there and how you get to the bullet point. And people always struggle with how much detail to put in these bullet points. Well, you got to be thinking about what is it that you're you're trying to tell me. And typically it's going to be a balance of the technical aspects of what you did. Right. I was a, a contact engineering intern or I was a software engineering intern. I coded or I developed 3D models or, you know, open up with a with a bullet point that tells me the type of work that you were doing 
and you've heard uh, you know use numbers when they when they support the narrative but in those bullet points the one part that i see that people miss is some mention of a soft skill or personal growth that happened during that time right like for the like experienced working in a multicultural group or experience working in a in a mixed group of experience from early career to uh, near retirees, right? Or I uh, was exposed to a manufacturing environment, something I had never experienced. Like there is a a you want again part of this that you're trying to catch the the uh, the screener's eyes. And if you start talking about growth and how you grew within that uh, assignment or that experience, man, that's very, very powerful versus just a data dump of, you know, I spec'd out 20 vows and I reviewed 20 spreadsheets and I delivered a presentation. Like there's some very, uh, even when you've had these awesome internships, after a while, you gotta think quantities, right? We're seeing quantities. Uh, some of these start to sound the same. So you need those, di- those differentiators. And the ones that I've seen that do it the best are the ones that not only give me some of the technical aspects, but also talk about their uh, personal growth. So even then, you got to be thinking about if in one job description, you want to tell me about um, uh, one set of skills that you developed. Uh, when you get to the second or third experience that you've had, you need to mix those up. Right. If you find that the messages throughout your resume are repeating themselves, you got to ask yourself whether or not you're giving yourself a fair shake. What do I mean, maybe in that first experience, you want to open up with, hey, it's your strongest one and your and your biggest soft skill that you have is your ability to work in diverse groups. And you've had that experience. So maybe that's one bullet point in that experience, along with the technical. That's the point of that bullet point. And maybe now you go to your second experience. Now, you, you, before you had this internship, you did a research, right? You did camp, you know, undergraduate research and you learned how to use, uh, how to work under a graduate student and you learned how to use some lab equipment. And so what did you learn about yourself? And that you might have a bullet point around uh, organizing technical data and interpreting it and being able to summarize it in a concise fashion, right? So that's the point of that one, right? And, and, and so on. The point I'm trying to make is you got to be thoughtful about the messages that you're sending throughout that resume and that there's a variety of them. Because otherwise, if, if you don't think variety, you just uh, may be potentially coming off as a what, what we call a, a one trick pony, right? Uh, it, that uh, you just that you're limited versus somebody, somebody else. Wow, so this one's gone on longer than I thought. Uh, certainly almost double the other two. I'm trying to really not make these too long and, and, and make them uh, convenient, right? For you to listen quickly and pick up some information, start up some conversation and maybe follow up with me. So I think it's, a, I still think it's good information. Uh, I do want to say one thing on that last segment, right? I, I kept on saying the word I as part of the descriptions. I did this. I was a contact. I did that. I am not suggesting you ever start your bullet points with I. 
Again, follow the Harvard uh, guidelines for uh, verbs to use. Uh, I was more uh, trying to make the point around what message are you sending? Are you being crystal clear about you want that person to to learn from the information that you write? So I think I'm going to end it here. Uh, again, I want to thank all of those that have listened to the other uh, podcasts and that have shared the comments. Uh, I, I really wish if someone's got some tips on how to generate more commentary uh, to start some more conversations and and so to get uh, others' opinions. I really want uh, to 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 get that going. Why? Because I'm just one opinion. A lot of my uh, of, of my experience and things that I've been able to learn from people has been from listening to multiple versions of information and seeing what works for me. So I never claim to be the expert. I'm just trying to share my experience, and I think in in this uh, in this platform through LinkedIn and through and through messages, even through this podcast. Uh, whether you're listening on Anchor or Apple or whatever, Spotify, if there's a way for you to leave a message or a comment, do it uh, so that uh, we can spark some conversation. And maybe uh, if I need to correct myself on the next one, I will. Um, those of you that have commented, those of you that have followed up, and, and I thank you. You know who you are. Please continue to do it. Um, and I look forward to talking uh, and, and doing the, uh, the next topic. Uh, Again, like I said, thank you for listening.